0: Don't you love the English language? Those two words, or what you see on the screen there, are so close, but they are worlds apart, aren't they? And yet it's that question that I pray we walk out of here answering today, is that are we overjoyed? Are we still overjoyed with the Christmas message? Are we, are we overjoyed like the shepherds were? On Christmas Eve, in fact, if you were with us, that was the theme that we looked at. How great is our joy? As we looked at how the angels said to the shepherds, hey, I have good news that is going to bring you great joy. And they were overjoyed as they, they hastened to Bethlehem. Or are we overjoyed? Are we done with this whole Christmas festivities and activities and just ready to get things back to normal? Now... I'm not saying that, shame on you if you have your Christmas tree down, because we took ours down. Um, and, and I'm not saying you have to have your your wreath up, but the question remains. Which one are you? Isn't it amazing how, how quickly we turn the page? You know, as soon as we, we flip the calendar it seems like so do we. We, we trade in the, the Christmas green and the Christmas red for the January blues. In fact, I just learned this. January 15th is, you know what it is? It's Blue Monday, supposedly the most depressing day of the year because that's when you've killed all your resolutions, and, it's, and, and it, it is. There's, it's a real thing. Blue Monday, the most depressing day of the year. And so what are you? Are you overjoyed or are you overjoyed? Uh, to help us answer uh, that question today, we're going to be looking at, at Matthew uh, chapter 2. Uh, Matthew chapter 2 is the account of, of the wise men. And, and, and maybe we ask, you know, just exactly who are, are these, these wise men? Uh, we're, we're going to be looking at that. We, you know, the Bible actually calls them uh, magi as well. Um, that, that maybe gets us into a little bit of, we don't know exactly what these, what these wise men were, but, but it, is, it is a day worth celebrating, uh, because it is one of the, the like I, well, I mentioned beforehand, is that it is across the world, this is actually a bigger day uh, than Christmas. Uh, because it, it gets into all these things that, well, the, the whole message of Epiphany is that Jesus is this universal Savior. And, and so, whether or not you, you call it Epiphany, which is what we call it here, other places call it Three Kings Day or Magic Kings Day or what, Reyes Magas or Pascua de Negros. I mean, there's all these words around it. Uh, you could watch parades, you could watch festivities, you could watch kids open up gifts on, on Epiphany. And, and so, so, exactly what, what is this day all about? Uh, that's what we want to look at, and we'll, we'll look at the theme of, of how it comes up today. But we want to look at, we're looking at these, these wise men who were overjoyed when they saw the star. And we want to look at just what exactly it is about, this day, that ke- leads us to, to be overjoyed. And so, so let's look at these, these words here from, again, what we read earlier. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, depending on what translation you're looking at, sometimes it says Magi, sometimes it says wise men, or sometimes I, I think in the, in the translation that we use here, and I, I put that in your service folder, it's the, the footnote says traditionally wise men, and that's what it is, it's traditionally. We don't necessarily know what that word Magi means, uh, those are the, actually the, the Greek letters, and when they don't know what, how to translate, they just take the Greek letters and turn them into English letters. Um, uh, and, and so, it, yeah, it's, it's maybe traditionally a wise man. Uh, traditionally, it, we also think there's three of them, but that's tradition. but doesn't say that in the Bible, but it, it says we, we come up with that tradition of three because later on there's three gifts that are brought, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, traditionally, they also have names, uh, Melchior and Gaspar and Balthazar. But again, that's, that's tradition. Uh, there, there's a whole bunch of traditions, so, so we're not exactly sure what magi from the east means. And, and maybe that's all right. I, you know, we, we, we can look outside of biblical sources. Uh, there's a historian by the name of Herodotus who wrote in the 400, 500 before Jesus. And you can find the word magi in his writings, and there he uses it to describe people of the priestly order of, of the royal kingdom of, of Persia, which would make sense because Persia is to the east of Jerusalem. And and also the the religion of Persia at that time was Zoroastrianism, which was the study which dealt a lot with astrology and Creating magic. And so that's kind of where all this, this comes from. Um, uh, elsewhere in the Bible, th- this word only shows up one other time, and it's not in a really positive light. The word magi itself is a really neutral term. The only other time we find it is on one of Paul's journeys. He comes to a, a place and he, he runs into a guy by the name of Elamis, and it, there it's translated the sorcerer, uh, a magician. And all of a sudden, that, that really throws my picture off. Now, instead of seeing uh, three guys with, with crowns uh, bowing down before Jesus, I see Harry Potter, you know? And I'm like, whoa, that, that ruins the mental image. And yet, maybe that's the point. Is that no matter who these guys were, Whether they were royal, whether they were wise men, whether they were priests, or whether they were magicians, or whether they were astronomers or astrologists, you know, they didn't fit the mold of somebody that you would expect to be bowing down before this baby. The other people that we've seen worshiping this Savior so far somewhat fit. Yeah, I know, we, we do say, you know what, it seems strange that shepherds would come the very first night. Who are these strangers coming? But when you think about it, who were Joseph and Mary? They were pretty much peasant Jewish people. And so you expect somewhat of your peers to be some of the people who come and see the baby. And the shepherds fit that mold. Or Jesus was promised among, you know, the, the, the Jewish people had this promise that the Messiah was going to come from, from their line, from their ancestry. And so it's maybe not surprising as we studied last week, as we looked at last week, that there were people who were looking for this Messiah to come from their people for years. And so we're not so surprised when a guy like Simeon or Anna, when Jesus is 40 days old, sees this baby and they're, they're told that this is the Messiah, that they're the ones that worship him. But these guys, these guys are not followers of the Old Testament ceremonial law. These guys did not have kosher diets. These guys did not go to Saturday synagogue. And yet here they are. Magi from the East. And that's a big deal. Because now all of a sudden this little baby born in Bethlehem doesn't have a little impact anymore. Now we get to see him for what he is. We get to see him as this universal king. Which is why it's so fitting that around the globe yesterday there were parades and festivities. Because around the globe Jesus is a global king. And he, he, that fits so well with the, the message of all the scriptures, right? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. I mean, if there's any reason for us to go home today overjoyed and not overjoyed, it's this message that this baby, without a doubt, is your Savior. He's the Savior of the nations. He's the Savior of the world. But what is it in particular uh, that led these wise men on this this particular day uh, to be overjoyed? You know, you you go on here and it says, so they, they come to Jerusalem and they ask, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. You know, as much as there are questions about who these guys are and what their jobs was, I think there's even more questions about this thing in the sky, the star. You know, was it converging planets, is what many people would think. It's where where Saturn and Jupiter come together, which happens every 863 years, and and it just happened to be at that time, and sometimes that's called the Christmas star. Or was it a supernova that was exploding? Or was it a comet that was cometing? Um, you know, what, what was it that was here? And, and, and there are many plausible astronomical explanations that are given for exactly what did these guys see in the star, in the sky. And yet there's one definite explanation that we can be certain of is that the one who created the stars and put them in their place used the stars for this purpose to, to give a sign uh, to these wise men. Whether or not it was a miracle at this point, I don't know. Could have just been by nat- a natural miracle that God was guiding, or it could have been something special that he put in the sky that day. But we know We know it's not an accident. And you can go back to that reading that we looked at from Numbers, right? A a millennia before the Magi ever looked into the sky, God said, this is going to happen. A star. A star is going to come out of Jacob. And somehow by God's providence, these, these people out from the east, they knew they knew about this prophecy. Uh, They they knew that even though they weren't from the line of Abraham, you know, remember Abraham, he was a stargazer himself. As as God took him outside one day and he said, hey, look at the stars in the sky, that's how numerous as as your descendants are going to be, and one of them, one of them is going to be the savior of the world. These stargazers knew about that prophecy. And so when this special star came up, they, they, they didn't want to miss out on its significance. And so they pack up their things. That is not a small thing either. I mean, can you imagine? So if they are, in fact, from like the Persia area, that's about 1,000 miles away from Jerusalem. That, that's from here to Denver. So if you're living in Denver and you see this thing, Rise up over the west coast, you know. And you're you're not just hopping on Southwest where you get your two allotted bags, right? You're 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 hopping on a camel, perhaps. Think of all the things that you would pack up. Think, you know, you would you would grab food for not only for yourselves but provisions for your for your animals animals as well. You would you would take into account what you need for protection. You would need you would need all these these different things for for shelter, for... for, I mean, this is a huge, huge, huge undertaking. And yet they go. They go, and and under God's guidance, they make it. But when they get there, they don't know where to look. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be? Imagine... Uh, you know, flying to Paris next summer for the Olympics and never figuring out where the Eiffel Tower is. And some of you get back and somebody says, oh, what do you think of the Eiffel Tower? Well, I couldn't find it. Or, or driving to South Dakota and not being able to find, you know, Mount Rushmore. Or I, I get frustrated going to Raley's and not being able to find the toothpicks, right? <laughs> True story. That happened. I mean, imagine traveling, walking on foot to go a thousand miles and not knowing where this king is. You know, and I think that's, that's something maybe that our mental image has to address as well. I think we get this idea that they were following the star the whole time. That's not what the Bible says, it says the star arose, past tense. They knew about the prophecy that it was going to be, a star is going to come out of Israel, out of Jacob. And so they, they surmise, well, let's go to Jerusalem, All right? That's the capital. So maybe that's where we'll, we'll figure it out. But it's, it's not like the star led the Old Testament people where they, they fil- f- followed a pillar of cloud by day and a, a pillar of fire by night So okay, go here, go here, go here. No, they just saw the star and then they, they took off. And when they get there to Jerusalem, They look up, there's no star. They have no idea where to look. They don't know if they're close. And so some local priests, some local teachers say, why don't you try Bethlehem? You know, that's a a few miles to the south. And so they go. And that's when this happens. Then the star that they had seen in the past, now it rose again. Now it appears again. And it went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, there's lots of miracles that we could talk about in that verse. I mean, the the fact that they're going south and now the the star goes ahead of them, that's that's kind of a miracle. Or or the fact that it stops over the exact place where where they're supposed to go, that too is a miracle. But I want to focus in on that verse 10. They were overjoyed overjoyed that is maybe one of the most biggest understatements of the bible imagine what it meant to them i mean can you imagine what this trip was like how their backs must have been sore from riding those camels all that way, how, they, how their faces maybe were cracked from the wind and the sun and the sand, how, how, how maybe they were, you know, the, you had one too many, hey, we should have turned there from Melchior, and you had one too many, I need a potty break from Gasper, and, and you want to ring your, your traveling companions next? I mean, if you've traveled with people, Right, and you get stuck together, and you're like, "Oh, I can't stand you anymore," and that's that's what's going on here, right? And they're probably doubting what they saw way back there in the east. You know, did did we really see a star? Was that really a special star? What was that? And more importantly, they're they're probably doubting God's promises. And then all of a sudden, they see that star. And they are overjoyed. They are overjoyed as all of a sudden, they see this baby, and they know they know that this is their savior. And when they're overjoyed, it, you know, that, that, that word itself is uh, what it's a compound word in English, and, and I think it does well to describe the compound emotions. That must have been going on in their hearts. Uh, in in the original language, it's actually three separate words: joy, great, exceedingly. And it's the same words that the angels used to the shepherds. I have good news that will bring you great joy. And now here you get one more exceedingly great joy. And and so they they're looking at this infant, this toddler, uh, perhaps, and they're they're so amazed and and they're overjoyness overflows as they can't help to, to worship him. And they bow down and they open their treasures. It's a neat way that it's, it's described there that, that they saw the child with his mother Mary, they bowed down, they opened their treasures to him. You know, there's, there's lots of debate whether or not they ever planned to give these gifts to that child when they left Persia. Maybe it was their money that they had for their way, for their travel. But when they saw this, they said, oh, we can't but help to, to give him gifts. They were so overjoyed. Now you think about us and what we see in the manger or what we see as this toddler if anybody has reason to be overjoyed today it's not so much the wise men as much as it is us because who has traveled further these guys maybe walked for two months is what most estimates are a thousand miles by foot or by camel We have traveled chronologically and geographically a lot further. We are 2,000 years removed from that house where that baby and that mother were. We are on the other side of the world from where that baby and that mother are. And yet, what has happened? God has shown to you that this baby is your Savior. You think about the amazement of that. You know, ponder the, the stars uh, that, that God has, has put into your life. That, that you see this, you don't see this baby just as a star glistening in the sky, but you, you see him as the one shining in your heart. And, and, and what are the ways that God has led you to see him? Maybe it was through, through the shiningness of a, of a parent or a grandparent or a friend or a road sign or a postcard or Google, whatever it was. Here we are, worshiping that same king today. The chances of that happening are astronomical. That gives us reason not only to be overjoyed today, but to overflow in worship. The miracle I, I, I think we take that for granted. The miracle that you know this Jesus is nothing to the breeze by today. But may you just marvel, marvel at somehow some way God led you to see this baby as your savior. And our prayer that as you, would, as you contemplate that, as you, as you marvel at that, that, that we have the same response, that we bow down before this child. Actually, we don't just see him as a child, right? We, we see him more clearly than even the wise men saw. They saw this little toddler. What do we see? We see that toddler grow up. We can, take, we can go to Matthew 2 and just flip the page to Matthew 4, and we see him doing what? We see him resisting the devil on our behalf, resisting all temptations. We can flip ahead four chapters to Matthew chapter 6, and we, we can hear this toddler grow up and preach us this, this, this message from a mountaintop that just reaches into our hearts where he says, hey, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear or about the new year. Look at the birds of the year. God takes care of them. How much is he going to take care of you? Or you can, we can flip the page all the way to the end of Matthew. 24 chapters later, we can see him suffering in our place. We can, we can see him paying the price for our sins on the cross with much more than the gold than the wise men brought. We can see him laying down his holy precious blood. We can see him guaranteeing us heaven then as he rises from the dead. We can see him ascending far beyond the stars preparing a place for you and for me where he rules in all authority. That's the Savior we see, not just a toddler. Praise God that you see this this Savior so clearly today and all the steps that it took you to get there. Bow down before your king. Worship your king. Open your treasures to your king. Because that's what he is. He's your king. Your great king. That brings you joy. Great joy. Exceedingly great joy. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.